As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Spoil Me, covering Gravity Falls, Season 2, Episode 8, Blendin's Game. In this episode, we find out a little bit more about Seuss. I am enjoying the Seuss-centric episodes much more than I expected, and I'm starting to wonder what exactly the deal is with his dad, because I feel like that's going to be important. Welcome to Spoil Me. Welcome to the show, everybody. I am Natasha. Thank you very, very much to Melanie for commissioning these episodes. Melanie has commissioned all of Gravity Falls so far. I'm pretty sure all of it, period. Um, Melanie, thank you for this gift of this show. It is just the most precious. I love it. So this episode starts off with the best like weirdo chase scene through future times. There is an escapee from the infinitentiary, which is an awesomely shaped infinite symbol uh, floating prison. Guys, I'm just telling you right now. I love this so much. And it's the year... (laughs) It's the year 2070-12, but there's like one of those... Anya signs over the seven. For all I know, I'm real bad at math, y'all. A 
pardon me, I'm going to adjust my mic here a little bit. Forgive me. For all I know, that little symbol means something for real. I honestly have no idea. It might not. Um, but yeah, so this, uh, this dude is running through the streets trying to escape being chased out by the time police. Um, and it turns out that this is Blendon Blandon, who we have encountered before and who was apparently in the background of a bunch of episodes. He is the guy interfering with time and coming back into Gravity Falls and like messing with shit. And he is the one who uh, lost his little time jump dealy that allowed um, Mabel and Dipper to try to fix Dipper's attempt to come on to Wendy. Um, guys, I don't know if I actually registered that this guy's name is Blendon Blandon last time. I can't exactly explain why I find that so hysterically funny, but I can't stop thinking about it. It's been running through my mind the past couple days. Just, I don't know why. I think it might be because it's so close to the name Brendan, who was my ex-husband. I think that's part of it. And he was a little bit blandish it turns out he wasn't like his personality but he did look like a lot of other people he just had one of those faces um and yeah i am just i this is just the best start so um oh and i should mention that the uh the two time cops their names are lolf and dungren and apparently rolf this is a joke that i will admit i did not catch um, Owen figured it out. Dolph, Dolph Lundgren is the name of a, the Swedish actor who was in Rocky four, who was like the Russian bad guy. So thank you, Owen, for noticing that because I never would have picked up on that at all. So yeah, instead of Dolph Lundgren, it's Dolph, it's Lolf and Dundgren. Um, so yeah, they're chasing chasing after him and he winds up getting caught very, very easily. It's embarrassing, to be honest. And they're about to take him back in and he stops them with the, basically the uh, the kind of thing from um, Pirates of the Caribbean where she yells parlay, except he yells, I invoke... And I love this because there's so many people around him. Anything you can say, Canon already has been used against you in future court. Uh, great lines, guys. Um, so, yeah, he stammers for 20 minutes. I invoke Globnar. And everybody's like, oh, Globnar. Oh, my goodness. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, well. And they say, speak the names and centuries of those accused. Now, I obviously know that the likelihood of meeting another Dipper Pines specifically is low, but I will be damned if there aren't 70 different Mabel Pines from the 21st century. Not specific enough, everybody. I want you all to know that this cartoon, <laughs> um, but nevertheless, they immediately zero in on who these two are. 
and we get to see the two of them. It's a live feed of them hitting each other with bats. It's amazing. They are just literally standing there hitting one another over and over again with wiffle bats. Not sure. And this projection goes out all over the world, or at least all over this prison ship. Um, and one of them says, may the time baby have mercy on their souls. So we get to meet the time baby too, BT dubs. Um, we go back into the past, which is our present. And Mabel and Dipper are trying to get candy out of the vending machine inside the mystery shack. And one of the pieces gets stuck. The bag gets stuck. And Seuss immediately comes over and is like, oh, hey, I have this all figured out. Let me show you what I learned how to do. And he opens it from the side, pulls out all of these bags, hands them to them. And he says, a genius taught me that. Which it's the most precious thing in the world. Once you know that Mabel taught him that he never spoke to her again. He never actually like got to know her, but he just, this one thing he, he said as a child, you must be a genius. And then as an adult opinion has not changed. Still a genius, obviously a gift to man. No regrets at all. I love it. And I, this moment when Mabel just decides, forget unwrapping them. I'm just eating them like this. And she throws all the candy in her mouth without unwrapping them. That is a whole mood. That is me PMSing. I'm just like, no, don't even bother. I will eat the box as well that these Russell Stover's candies are in. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll count that as fiber. It's a vegetable. Like, you just, I can't be bothered. Don't slow me down. I need to consume this. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that was really funny to me. Also, I love her shirt this episode because she's wearing a uh, pink donut shirt. Um, so, and then at this point, um, Sue says something about, I would do anything for the Pines family. And you begin to learn why that is. And guys, I'm going to get real choked up this episode. So I hope you guys are all ready for that because like, honestly. Um, so he leaves his wallet out and Dipper picks it up to give it back. And Mabel's like, Ooh, don't, aren't you curious? Let's go and check out, let's snoop through his stuff. So they find first a laser gun membership, a laser tag. He has five, uh, stamps on it out of, or four stamps out of five already. So I guess he's going to get a free session soon. And they also find a piece of emergency salami that has hair sticking off it, a post-it note on it that says for emergencies, and a uh, band-aid stuck to it. The revulsion cannot be overstated. Re but Mabel is impressed by this. <laughs> um, and then they find out that his birthday is today, but that he hasn't mentioned it. And they are both really surprised by that. Um, we later on, they mentioned because they're twins that they're like birthday experts. I would love to hear from some actual twins 
and find out if they ever resented having to share their birthday with a sibling or if they really felt so close to their sibling that it was like great to have that with them or what. Because I could totally understand being like, I would really just like a day that's just for me and I will never get that, you know, Um, um, except for maybe like if you get married, I could see that being like your day in a way that your birthday never got to be unless you're a twin that gets married at the same time as your twin, which I have heard of. Um, But anyway, Mabel decides that he probably hasn't told anybody because he wants them to throw him a surprise party. And she says that she's been waiting for somebody to throw her a surprise party her whole life. And Candy runs in and throws confetti and just yells surprise. And Mabel turns around and says, too little, too late, chew. And Candy looks really sad and just walks away. I love this, that she's like just around to do this and that she even made this effort (laughs) Melanie says, I thought this episode might be emotional for you. I wondered if I should warn you, but didn't know how without spoilers, girl. You're about to find out. Um, So we go to uh, the setup that they have outside with a huge banner that says, happy birthday, yo. And they got all kinds of stuff for Seuss. They've really put a lot of thought into this. It's really great. Um, and Seuss is being led in and his eyes are blindfolded and he sees when, when they take the, uh, the blindfold off, he looks terrified. It's not a joyful expression. It's, he doesn't even seem to really register that his friends did this because they care about him. All he is experiencing is this like panic reaction they got cake flavored pizza, pizza flavored cake, and they uh, have that poor little dude. What I can never remember his name. Razzle dazzle, friends. Oh my god, it's bad. So they take this photo all together, and Seuss looks really, really unhappy, and they realize that something's wrong here and they ask him what's going on and he's like nothing uh i have to go fix a pipe and he just walks away as he's walking away wendy and grunkle stan come around the corner they see seuss first and they're like what the fuck is wrong with seuss because he never looks sad like that doesn't happen and then they see the huge like birthday thing that's been set up and they both are like, fuck. Okay. 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 Look, you didn't know it's not your fault, but he hates his birthday. We don't know why, but it seems like ever since he was a little kid, something happened and he just doesn't really like it and he doesn't want to talk about it. And they say that they've tried everything. Grunkle Stan says, I even petitioned the government to have this day removed from calendars. Now I'm not allowed on airplanes. Guys, I know that's a throwaway joke, but can we just talk about how committed Grunkle Stan is that he like got himself arrested and put on a no flight list because he's trying to help his friend that is hurt by this day? I know it's a joke, but it's like, it got me a little verklempt, okay? So this is just the first step in the verklemptedness because it's about to get really real. So Seuss 
is inside the mystery shack and he opens this, um, this, what do you call it? Postcard that's been folded up. He's carrying it in his pocket. It's clearly really old. And it says, Hey, from new Orleans. And they're all trying to decide what they should do. Should they try to cheer him up? Should they just leave him alone? Dipper decides that there has to be something they can do. We need to do. We need to find something that is like foolproof. And Mabel comes up with laser tag. Now, it does seem if this had gone to plan, this might have worked. Laser tag, he seems really, really excited about it. And I just, you know, a part of me really wonders what could have happened here if that had just been the day and he was able to sort of like allow himself to forget, but still spend time with his friends, still have it be something special. Um, But they are in the middle of like about to start this off. I love that there's a detail about how the walls are just mattresses spray painted purple because this used to be a mattress store. Um, I love details about places that used to be stores for things that are like real depressing. I don't know about y'all, but there are like certain stores that I'm always just like, oh, what a drag. And they always wind up being the things that like when they start to show up in a like an area mall, that's the signal that the place is about to go down the tubes mattress stores i don't feel like i've ever even seen a mattress store in a mall even when it was dying so maybe that doesn't count but you know what i'm talking about where there's like framing places and you're literally just like how do you stay in like really um so they're all getting ready to go and they are committed they're about to do this we no matter what happens we promise we won't leave your side and sue says okay I'm, i guess i can give it a shot and is really like trying to be good natured about it the way that he does. So he slows down to tie his shoe and Mabel and Dipper run through without him. And they don't realize that they have run through a portal and they are faced with the time police. And this is so amazing. She kicks one of them in the groin and his cod piece speaks up and says something about how like it's a like state of the art cod piece. And all of a sudden, the little portal they ran through closes up and Seuss runs through and they're gone. And he just stands there going, dudes. And after they just said they will never leave his side, it's like so heartbreaking. So they obviously turn around and try to leave. (laughs) They're trying to get out of there. But it turns out it's solid timetanium. And here comes Blendon Blandon. And he is telling them all about like the fact that they done him wrong and that he can't believe they don't even know his name after they ruined his life. So I guess his name wasn't mentioned. Um, After you stole my time device to win your stupid pig, I was cast out of the time anomaly removal crew, my whole life's purpose. And then I was given 10 squared life sentences in time prison. I spent every day since then planning my vengeance. And we see him make piles of mashed potatoes in the shape of Mabel and Dipper's faces. And now it has finally come. 
Um, and Dipper's like, dude, really? Because we're kind of like in the middle of something. This is really like important. It's our friend's birthday. And Blendon is like, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? Globner is the thing. This is very serious. I can't believe that you would even mention his birthday. Like that matters at all right now. And <laughs> I love this so much. So we get a little sneak preview of what Globnar looks like. And the two of them, of course, are just like, yeah, absolutely not. Mm -mm. No, I don't think so. And they wind up stealing a uh, gun. She like she she pretends to one of the guys that she's his long lost great, 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 great grandmother. And he just looks at her and there's a moment of like hard eyes. And then all of a sudden, Gam Gam. Oh, my God. It's precious. I love it so much. Um and Dipper you, grabs a, like, time gun time. I don't even know what you want to call it. But he takes it. They run. And they manage to get back into their own time. It's a great little moment because they're all, like, so bereft. The one guy is like, Gam Gam, how could you? Um, so they use it. They try to jump back. But they jump back a little bit too far. Not hugely. Not hundreds of years. But Zeus is a kid. They are still in the uh, the same building, but it's a mattress store now. And they walk through town and you get to have a couple of really, really great moments. Now, first of all, we've got there. Oh God, I don't even know where to begin. So I love that. Yes, this is a mattress store. I love that we see the dude who has chin and neck and whatnot in the window of a tattoo parlor getting his tattoos and he does not have them yet. Um, I love that we see this uh, moment where with uh, Bud's auto just had a baby sale and we see baby Gideon and he's a genuine baby like but looks almost exactly the same. We see that poor dude who is not doing great these days tap dancing in one of the tap dancing studios and he says something about how broadway better look out and mabel tries to tell him that this dream goes nowhere toby and i'm like i wish i wish that like she wouldn't in a way because what a bummer but like she's right and sometimes you do wish somebody would tell you so i don't know what the good thing is here but my very very favorite is these two girls on tricycles. They come like flying up the sidewalk, almost run into Dipper and Mabel. They come to a screeching halt just in time. One of them leans over and whispers to the other. And the other says, my friend thinks you're cute. Oh my gosh, Tambry, shut up. And then shoves her. And it's obviously Wendy as a small child. So... Dipper says, thank you. You're super young. So this is weird and is blushing. And Mabel says, now you know how she feels, creep. And she says it good naturedly and like kind of gives him a nudge. But you see him stop and go, yeah, I, huh. Wow. Oh, oh, that got to me. He gets it. All of a sudden you see that like it 
clicked. It's like, it's the best. I just, there, there are so many things that I wish we could do this for. Have these like moments where you, where you could virtually experience what somebody else is going through so that you could get some fucking empathy and not, I'm not trying to criticize Dipper here because it's totally understandable why he doesn't really have perspective on this, you know, but I really, really enjoy the fact that the show even bothered with this because it's so not something I would even think of being important at this point. I feel like the whole him being in love with Wendy has kind of been dealt with and I'm fine with it. And I love that they're like, we're going to reference it, but we're going to do it in a way that isn't just beating a dead horse and still talking about him, like caring about her. It's going to help him like continue to move on and really understand where she's coming from. And it was just genius to me. I'm just like, ah, I love it so much. So they go to the mystery shack and they're trying to keep an eye out. Um, they are going in through one of the windows, climbing inside. And they are, the reason that they came here, by the way, is because when they came out through the, uh, the time portal, they damaged the little doodad that travels. So they need to get tools in order to fix it. So that's why they came to the mystery shack because they know that there's going to be like repair stuff around and that they'll have access. So they go inside, they find the tool, but then we see a little kid trying to get his stuck piece of candy out of the vending machine. And Mabel comes up and does the exact same that that, uh, Zeus, Zeus, Zeus showed her just like for her an hour ago, maybe. And she grabs him a bunch of candy and turns around and it's really clearly baby Seuss looking almost identical, except he's got hair and he has no chin hairs. And he says, thanks dog. You must be some kind of genius and walks away. I love things like this because it's one of those moments where you realize that like, if there's any truth to time travel stuff, there's going to be things that don't actually have a real beginning. There's no knowing who started what. Um, so he learned it from Mabel who had learned it from him, who learned it from Mabel, who learned it from him, you know, what a weird thing. So Mabel goes and runs over and gets Dipper's attention and they've decide that they are going to keep an eye on Seuss and try and figure out what happened to him with his birthday, because he's wearing a birthday hat right now. Obviously this is not like at this point in time, his birthday is no problem for him. Right. So they are being smart about this. And they're like, so maybe this is the day when shit went wrong and we can finally figure out what happened. So they go to his abuela's house and it looks like a really great party. He's being like, uh, loved on by his cousins, his older cousins. Um, his grandmother is like bringing out this giant cake it is a really sweet and I can, guys, can I tell you, you know, Seuss is Hispanic. There are these two cousins that are pinching his cheeks. Oh my God. I used to hate this so much. It only happened when I went to see my father's side of the family. White side does not do this. Spanish side pinches your cheeks like so fucking hard too. And when they would do it hard, and there was seven of them in a row that would do it. I wanted to die. And oh, I would get so mad because I had really fat cheeks. I still do. But like as a kid, they were like 
they're crazy. And they just, I guess, could not resist. But it was just the worst. I hated it so much. Um, so I, I really enjoy that both of them are doing that in this scene. I was like, man, somebody just definitely one of these animators or the writer is Spanish and knows what this is all about because they just keep nailing shit culturally that I'm just like uh, subtle, but yes, exactly correct. So yeah, she got him a race car cake. Um, there's all kinds of like details to, to show how much he is cared for, you know? So finally this kid sits down at, and uh, Sue says, Hey dude, could you move? That's the seat of honor. And it's Seuss's birthday. He should be sitting there, but he's not. And the kid's like, well, then who's it for? And he says, it's for my dad, actually. I haven't seen him in like eight years, but he's coming today. And the doorbell rings that moment. And he says, that must be him. Eight years, y'all. And he's like, eight now? Like, maybe he has never met his dad? Maybe once? He goes running to the door and has to calm himself down and be cool about it. And it turns out it's not his dad. It's a mail carrier with a postcard that says, sorry, champ, couldn't make it this year. Real busy again. See you next year for sure, dad. And this is the same postcard that he has been carrying around in his like pocket for years. And you see his cousin that he's like was in kind of competition with during Seuss and the Real Girl run up and be like, hey, buddy. Don't worry about it. He'll be here next year. And Sue says, yeah, next year. And opens up this shoebox full of postcards, all promising to be there next year. And he just goes and sits down and by himself. And it's really, really sad. Um, and this is when Mabel and Dipper say like sit down and realize oh my god this is way more serious than we thought we were gonna try and figure out what went wrong so that we could fix it this is not a thing we can fix like there's no doing anything with this they're in the middle of this kind of serious moment when fucking robbie comes up robbie was in laser tag as well and shot Seuss a bunch of times and then came up and like just yelled like laser tag Robbie. This time he shoots Dipper in the face with his water gun and then just says young Robbie and does a fist pump. I, it's a weird joke, but I am in love with it. I really enjoyed various Robbies talking about how they are this Robbie. It's great. So we see Abuela and she's standing in the uh, hallway and she's talking about how Seuss's father is a deadbeat. And if she ever sees him again, she is going to rip his arms off of his. She's going to rip him limb from limb, if I'm not mistaken, is the way she says it. Uh, I made you cookies shaped like dinosaurs. And he says, I don't want that. I want to see dad. And she's like, well, you will. But, you know, he's just busy right now. And he's like, yeah. Okay, sure. Meanwhile, the amazing keyboard that we've seen Seuss use a couple of times lays partially unwrapped next to his bed. So we find out that's where he got that. Um, and Mabel and Dipper decide 
that they are going to try and do the blognar challenge in order to get a time wish so that they can fix this and give Seuss another chance to see his dad. This is one of those moments where as an adult, you know, this is a bad idea. And not that they are, you know, that their idea is bad in that it's not thoughtful or anything. It's 100% the sweetest. But if this had worked, and if Seuss decided to take them up on it, and he went and found his dad. Now, at this moment, I am theorizing that Seuss's father has something to do with the weirdness of Gravity Falls. He may even be the author of these journals. Because I feel like there's no there's no way this show is bringing up so specifically how his dad hasn't been around. If there isn't going to be something coming back around about that, I could be totally wrong. And maybe that's all this is. But let's say that Seuss is in the situation that most people are with a deadbeat parent. If you haven't met them and they make no effort to meet you and you get the chance to go back and change that and, and meet them after all, I can almost guarantee you that you will wish you had not done it. Deadbeat parents are deadbeats because they don't care. And you reaching out is not the part of the relationship that needs fixing. So you will try to create a connection that they don't want or care about. And it will hurt all the more because you get to watch in real time through actual face-to-face -face interactions how little they give a shit about you. And they may feel guilt. They may be aware that they're a bad parent. It doesn't change their behavior, though. If they wanted to change that, they could have done that many times over by now, but they have not. So this is the part that I feel really bad about in terms of like, when when we look at the situation and, and their idea of what would, would fix it is, oh, well, he wants to meet his dad and he didn't get to. Meeting his dad is the thing that will make him feel better. It's just... That's not what it's about. It's not meeting his dad that he misses. It's having his dad in his life that he misses. And there's no fixing that because that's not something his dad's interested in. Now, again, if I'm right and something's up with Seuss's dad, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out like maybe this like his dad was imprisoned and somebody was sending postcards on his behalf maybe his dad's been dead the whole time maybe his dad was stuck in a different time some weird shit that like leads to this all but again i'm going with what a normal person would be dealing with and watching him get his hopes up and constantly get let down as a child is so a lot of you probably know, because I've mentioned before, that Owen has basically been adopted by his grandparents. Um, not officially, they considered it, but they did not actually carry through with that. His parents were criminally neglectful. Like, and when I say criminally, I mean it. They, they very nearly got arrested. Um, their children were not taken by CPS solely because family stepped in before anybody notified CPS and took their kids away to keep them in the family. Um, 
So Owen had a sister. She passed away two years ago and she was adopted first by his, and she was genuinely adopted um, by his aunt and uncle. And Owen was taken in by his grandparents. He grew up because his parents lived, I think like four blocks away for a great deal of his life while he was with his grandparents and they did not come to see him like at all. He was right there. They didn't bother. They did not care. And it is the kind, like the, the anger that I feel towards them and I have to see them at holidays and stuff. You can only imagine what Owen must be feeling when he has to be around them, knowing that they like just never gave a shit. And I personally want to reach into their chests and crush their hearts with my bare hands. Like I hate them so deeply and I'm so angry with them. And the damage that they did is so profound that I don't understand how they can live with themselves kind of thing. Like it's just what, how do you live your life? How do you go about your day as that kind of person? And I just could not stop thinking about that with this episode because what Seuss feels towards the Pineses is obviously just feeling like he belongs somewhere and that he is, he has finally found people who care about him. And Seuss was really lucky in that he had an abuela. He had her to care about him and try and shield him as best she could, although she couldn't completely. And, defend him and get angry on his behalf. And Owen had that too with his grandparents. But it's different feeling like there is a person who is watching out for you, who is like a guardian figure versus having an actual family. And Owen has found that with his friends. He sees his friends that way as his family. They are the people that he can be himself with. They are the people that he has shared most of his memories with. Seuss feels that way about the Pineses. They like, and I say they, but like, keep in mind, Dipper and Mabel are here for summer vacation. They aren't going to stay. And uh, I, I do worry about that a little bit for Seuss, but at least he has found Stan and he, you know, through Stan has Wendy. He has a family of a kind now that he has created himself. And it's very tempting. I think when you did not grow up with family, and you have created a family for yourself to see that as less somehow valid. You believe that like, well, everybody else has like actual blood relation family that actually cares. I just have like random people. Why don't I get to have what so many other people have? And I totally, totally understand how that mindset is really difficult to break away from because it's just what we have been fed as the ideal by so much media and society in general. But the older I get, the more I realize that the families that are there for their members and are genuinely supportive no matter who they are are very, very few and far between. And even the people who look like they have family by blood that care about them from the outside 
that's not necessarily what's going on. And in some ways, I find there's a lot of like, you know, shit talking of social media and the the internet in general these days. But I think one invaluable thing the internet has done for us is given us an easier method for creating family that is actually meaningful to us and family that is actually supportive of us. And creating a family that genuinely gives a fuck what happens to you and is aware of what you're going through from day to day and that you feel like you can share with and genuinely be yourself. Because there are precious few people out there, I feel, that can truly be themselves around family and not have that sort of blowback on them somehow. I am one of those people. My family, I just am myself. And that's probably because my family now is my mom. And that's about it. My dad's side, I never see. And, you know, it's it's a very different situation for me. So this whole thing with, with Dipper and Mabel, they are, their hearts are totally in the right place. I get so much what they're trying to do here. And it's not a terrible idea in theory. But they're attacking the wrong problem here because they're kids. And of course they are, you know, they don't, they, they are trying to fix a symptom rather than the actual issue. Um, so anyway, going back into this, there's this amazing moment where fucking, uh, Blendon is yelling about Globnar and one of them figures out that he can mute him using something on one of his cuffs. And it is hilarious, man. I wish we'd known that earlier. So they all get transported to the giant Globnar arena in this like time city. And all of these people are cheering. They're all like very um, Tron like are wearing like glow jewelry and whatnot. It's kind of amazing. And we get to meet the time baby. It's so great. This time baby is in one of those like it's a it's a floating high tech version of one of those like little walkie things that you put a baby in where they it's sitting but its legs stick out so it can like pull itself around the room and it's sitting in that and it's got like blocks hanging off it and like those colored rings in the middle it's amazing and the baby is uh yelling silence and one last guy in the audience just goes whoo yeah and the baby zaps him with his eye lasers. Guys, don't you all just wish so much that you could do that? Do you know, like, my my comparison for this, if you, any of you have, like, unplugged versions of, like, CDs, where there is an artist, Eric Clapton, for example, is one of the more famous ones. He did, like, an acoustic version at a concert of Layla. And it's this dead, silent like really moving opening of just a couple acoustic like notes that you immediately are like, oh, it's Layla. And it would have been perfect and so high impact, except some fucking dick in the audience at that show during the recording went, Ooh, Layla. And you're just like, dude, really? What are you doing? Why? Because we didn't know it was Layla. We're all here because we know who he is and what these songs are. You're not special. Shut the fuck up. This isn't about you. 
but he had to. He had to. And now it's immortalized for all time on this fucking unplugged soundtrack. And it's just like, guys, you just you just can't let a moment just be what it is. So I wish so much that the time baby had been there to zap that guy. And then we could have just like, you know, used that time power to like go back and, and re-record that intro without that fucking guy there. Anyway, so um, he says, welcome, Globnar Tributes. I have a very important nap to get to, so let's make this quick. You each have a chance to settle your time feud through gladiatorial combat. You will have until Time Baby finishes drinking this cosmic sand in this hourglass. And then the bottle is like being shoved in the baby's face because he's refusing to drink out of the bottle, which is amazing. Um, And... This is when uh, Blendon Blandon tells Mabel and Dipper that his wish is going to be that the two of them were never born, which is pretty intense. And they are like, you are definitely going down. And he is like, am I, though? And he has this spear and he just like spins that shit like it's nothing. And is like, hey, dudes, I've been in prison getting myself like ready to fight. All I've been doing is like training combat that's it so let's do this so then we get these this montage of them like doing like kind of american gladiator style like uh uh contests and there is a very tron like race on a couple of motorbikes um at one point they're in the middle of playing what looks like chess but then this like giant monster sinks his uh his fist into the board itself. It's just a, a series. There's even like a giant, what almost looks like Jenga, but they're each like on the outside of it. It's, it's, I would love to actually find out what any of these games were meant to be, but they get to the end where there's one major challenge left and there's only a point missing between the two of them. Blendon is ahead one point. And it turns out that what they are going to do is play laser tag. And the two of them, of course, uh, Mabel and Dipper are like, really? This is what it is? And Blendon's in the middle of being like one of those giant explanations of, well, you don't think it's that bad now, but wait until those fog machines turn on. You just wait until you, and he's in the middle of like, basically fucking waxing poetical about this. When Dipper just raises his gun and shoots him like a couple times in the chest, hit, 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 hit. And Blendon just goes, oh, man. And Mabel goes up and grabs the sphere. And she, they have won. And I love that when the baby asks what they want to do with the loser, Mabel just screams death because she is so caught up in the moment. I love her so much. Just, I just love her so much, guys. She's so serious about it. Uh, Dipper. Mabel. Sorry, got carried away. So they decide that they're going to kind of take responsibility for the fact that they did kind of ruin Blendon Blendon's life. And maybe they should try and make things right. 
So they say that they would like to set him free, restore his position at the Time Anomaly Correction Unit, and give him pretty hair. And the baby does this. I mean, one could argue about the hair, but it's fine. And I really liked this. I like the fact that, like, despite him being rather an unreasonable human being, they are still just like, yeah, you know what? Like, we didn't know that we were fucking him over, but that doesn't mean that we didn't do it. So, yeah, how about maybe we just make that right for this guy? Because it does seem like everything sucks for him. He's gotten kind of a raw deal. We have the opportunity to do something here. I just loved it. And he says something, maybe Dipper says, maybe if we treat him right in the present, he'll do better in the future. Which, like, that should be the way that we see, like, handling criminals and stuff in prison. But that's not it. We're just like, well, you know, we don't want them on our streets, so we're going to lock them up. And we're going to, like, low-key just hope they die in there and never get out. Um, When allegedly the whole thing is supposed to be, like, uh, rehabilitation and reform. But, you know, I'm not here to talk about the prison's industrial complex, so it's fine. Um, So for their time wish... Um, they decide that they are going to give it to Seuss. And they, I, I love the baby. Not you, but then who? Who is worthy to receive such power? So we go back to Seuss and he is still looking for Dipper, Dipper and Mabel. And he just tells himself, you know what? I'm not up for this. I'm going to get out of here. And he flips a coin to decide whether he should stay. The coin pauses in midair and he's just like, what's happening? And then here come Dipper and Mabel. And they explain to him everything that happened and they tell him about the time wish so that he can go and see his dad. And Seuss is absolutely overwhelmed. He just is like just so blown away that they would go through everything they went through in order to make him happy. He says, you battled through space and time just to do this for me. And he pulls out his little postcard and reads it and looks at the two of them. And he puts his hand on it and decides to do it. Well, you think that all this stuff is going to happen, but just Mabel and Dipper get cleaned up. And we find out that he also wished for a slice of infinite pizza, which um, if y'all had a time wish, what would you do? I'm super curious about this because I don't know what I would do. There are so many things that like, on the one hand, I feel like I wish I could change them. But on the other hand, when seen big picture, they were like key to me getting where I am today. That I don't know what, if anything, I would change. So the idea of just an infinite slice of pizza, I'm not mad about it. I guess the only thing I could see is maybe investing like taking some money and putting it into stock for something and then being able to like have that money. That's probably like something financial would be the thing that I would do for the time wish. But otherwise, like, yeah, I don't, 
I don't know, you know. Um, and he says he when he comes back and Dipper and Mabel are just like, dude, seriously, what did you do at the time when she says um, uh, birthdays are supposed to be spent with the people who care about you. But you know what? The dude didn't care about me enough to visit me once, let alone fight monsters through time and space like you guys. You had a gladiator fight just to make me happy. I've been being ridiculous this whole time. Whoever my dad was, he could take a hike. I know who my family is now, and it's you dudes. Thanks for giving me the best birthday ever. And, of course, Blendon Blendon is not here for this at all. He is very angry until they find out about the infinite pizza. And then they're all like, oh, okay, actually, good, good call. But yeah, it like, I will say, though, when Sue says I've been being ridiculous, I was just like, don't be so hard on yourself, dude. It's not your fault that you still feel trauma from being abandoned by a parent. Like, that's fine. You're not being ridiculous. That's completely valid. Um, and we see him throw it into the trash before they all go back in to finish laser tag for the last 10 minutes that it's um, open. And I just really liked that. I like that moment of, of seeing that he has like really decided to let that go. This thing that he has been carrying around. It's a perfect metaphor for baggage, you know? So then we go into the, um, the credit sequence and we see baby Seuss walking around in, like around the mystery shack and he finds the screwdriver and he's standing there holding it as Grunkle Stan kicks out some other repair guy and tells him that he's the worst handyman he's ever seen. And Grunkle Stan turns around and sees Seuss. Hey, you gumdrop. Uh, guys, he is gumdrop shaped. This is great. I love it. It's a perfect name. Uh, hey, Gumdrop, think you can fix a golf cart? And little child Seuss. Well, I don't know if I... Boom, you're hired. Throws a shirt on him. One size fits all. Step right up to the mystery shack, folks. And it's just this moment of Seuss looking at Grunkle Stan as he walks away and getting this sort of like look on his face that like, oh, somebody wants me. Somebody who is not my grandma, who I kind of feel like is required to love me. And it's just the beginning of a, of a loyalty that I don't know if Grunkle Stan really realizes how deep it runs, but I really appreciate knowing that whether Grunkle Stan gets it or not, he is also deeply loyal to Seuss as it turns out in his way. So yeah, guys, it just, this one got me. Um, Melanie commented, this whole plotline and Grunkle Stan's efforts really culminate in the plot of this episode. In Dreamscapers, Seuss joked with Grunkle Stan's unconscious body, I love Seuss like a son. Did he? God, I don't remember that. Fuck. Um, hearing you talk about this reminds me of when Rose and Doctor Who disrupted time to try and make a connection she wanted with her dad. Oh, yeah, Totally. Um, the guts slash legend of the hidden temple vibes are strong guts. Shit. I forgot about that one. Legend of the Him hidden temple for sure. I'm looking up guts right now because that's like ringing a very faint bell. Oh yeah. Shit. I did love this one. 
I think that I had like, I think that Guts was the show that was like the more popular when I was a kid, or it was at least on at a time that I was most frequently like um, home and available to see it. And so I got really upset because I liked the like whole aesthetic of Legends of the Hidden Temple way more. I was super into like the the sort of fantasy aspect of it. Um, and it made me really sad that Guts was the one that was always on. Like it was still a really cool game and they still have like the obstacle courses and the mountain thing to climb and all of that. Like, so it was legit, but it was not the same. You know what I mean? It, it was much more like American Gladiator, but for kids versus something that I was like, Oh, I could pretend to be Indiana Jones, you know? Um, but yeah, thank you for reminding me of that, Melanie. I totally forgot about that. I wish that American Gladiator would come back. Like a modern version of it. I would be so down for that. Like a thousand percent. Um, anyway. But yeah, guys, like this episode. I just. <sighs> anything about abandonment when you're about to like marry somebody who has had to deal with that. It's really hard. And uh, it's part of why I get really angry sometimes because Owen has these friends that he sees as family and most of them don't really get it. They don't really understand that's how it is for him. So they don't put the same effort into the friendship that he puts in. Because for them, that isn't how it works. They have actual family who has always been for them and been there for them. And I see him caring about them so much and constantly thinking about them and talking to me about like worried about how they're doing. And then I see them just not really being there for him the way that I think he deserves and of course, nobody's ever going to be good enough for Owen to me. I'm certainly not either. But I just want that for him so bad, you know. And I hope that I hope that I can give like a little bit of that to him. It's just hard. People are people are very unaware of the damage that they do sometimes, you know, and it's not an excuse. Uh, I hate when I cry like this guys, I hate it. It's not an excuse that you just like, Oh, I didn't know it would hurt you. Like it's it just take a fucking second to think about it and maybe you would get it. But to a point, there are things that folks will never really be able to completely understand unless they personally go through it. That's just like, an unfortunate fact of life. I think we can all have empathy if we try, but there are still going to be things that you just really don't quite get as much as you can imagine and do your best to put yourself into a situation. It's not going to be the same. And it's just, uh, I really like knowing this about Seuss it was, it, it's just added a whole new layer to the way that I see his character that I really appreciate, you know, and I love seeing 
how much Mabel and Dipper were willing to risk just to make him happy and make him feel better because they were sad that their friend was sad. Just a really sweet, sweet episode. Um, <laughs> Melanie asks, is that your time wish American Gladiator to come back? <laughs> yeah, and I'll invest in that. That would be my investment is in the new American Gladiator show. She says, hugs for you and Owen, you protect your boy. I try. I really, really do. But uh, it's one of those like delicate balances because there comes a point where if you're too much of a like if you try too hard, then what people do will not mean the same thing to him because he'll feel like they seem obligated due to you biting people's heads off. So I try and hide that I'm biting their heads off is really what it comes down to. Um, but I'm still out there doing that shit, though. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you again, Melanie, for commissioning this. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you being here in this chat. Um, thank you to everybody who has been listening and commissioning episodes um, in of Spoil Me. Melanie's the only one who's been commissioning episodes of this show. And uh, I hope you guys have been enjoying the coverage. And I will be seeing you all again soon with a new episode. So until then, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 